Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Unbreakable You. I'm here with Robert Jackman, who is the author of Healing Your Lost Inner Child, which I have to say is probably one of my new favorite books. And um, I've been kind of referring it to everyone that I know, especially my clients. And Robert's here with me today. And just to kind of give you a little background, he's a board certified psychotherapist who has helped people on their healing path for more than 20 years. In addition to his private practice, he has taught master's level classes at National Lewis University in the Chicago area. He has led outpatient groups in hospitals. He's given lectures on mindfulness, hypnotherapy, codependency, which is our favorite topic here on this show, and the role of spirituality in healing. And he's also participated in numerous weekend retreats with Victories for Men. Woo, Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I, I really am so happy to be on your show today. I am so excited to have you here because um, it's just so interesting the way the universe works sometimes because... I think a lot of people uh, in my audience know that, you know, I went away to the meadows this summer and a lot of it had to do in this breakdown that I had had a lot to do with never having healed Mm -hmm. my inner child. And I thought I did. And I really realized that healing one's inner child doesn't mean you're going to therapy and just talk therapy. You really have to, I think, work with someone who understands that kind of work. And otherwise, because if you're in therapy, you're just talking about your, maybe your current situation. Mm -hmm. I never realized, you know, I've been in therapy a good chunk of my life. And had I had the tools that you talk about in your book earlier before, I think I would have saved myself a lot of money Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and time and, and probably pain. So before I dive into the book, what got you into writing this this amazing book? Well, that's a great question. It's a, a journey of personal discovery as well as professional development. So the personal discovery part was in my 20s. Uh, I really wanted to heal all of these codependent patterns that kept on coming up in my life. I didn't know they were codependent patterns. I just knew I was unhappy and I yeah. felt unfulfilled. And so I was lucky enough to find a therapist who understood inner child work. And he began to take me through this process. Of course, it was all new to me. But that really began this unfolding of more than 30 years of me working on this journey of myself. And then I take people through, uh, you know, people who come to see me, I take them through this process. And I had a gal about 10 years ago, she came to me and she said, I've been to so many therapists and she said, in a half an hour, you've explained to me what none of them ever told me. Right. And it's this concept of the inner child, of the lost inner child, that uh, the wounding keeps showing up, repeating, because it's that part of us that is unhealed. And it just really wants to be acknowledged and healed. So you decided to write the book. And this was probably a culmination of not only your professional experience in helping people through working through their inner child, but also personal, right? It really was. You know, early on in my 20s, I knew I was really unhappy and unfulfilled, but I didn't understand why. And I was lucky enough to go and see a therapist who understood about inner child work, and he took me through that process. And that really began my unfolding and my understanding of how the lost inner child keeps showing up in our life over and over 
until we work on those issues, resolve those issues. So I brought that into my professional work. So when I work with folks, I take them through this process. And I, about 10 years ago, I had a gal come to see me and she said, I have been to six or seven therapists and none of them have explained to me in a half hour what, what you've explained to me in a half an hour. She said, I, I get it. And that's really why I wanted to write this book because I see this recognition right away when people kind of get it and understand the big picture. And that's what I wanted to lay out for folks. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's great. And, you know, I devour books quite a bit. And um, your book is just on that, on that list. I just love this book so much. And one of the things that I have done through my own personal journey, and I'm also starting to do it with my with my clients, because, you know, for the longest time, I've been the <clears throat> whether that people call me divorce coach or narcissism expert, etc. What I have found is that I have been dealing with the symptom of a larger problem all these years, right. just even coaching the symptom of the larger problem. Yeah. And what I'm doing, and it's just so much fun as a professional to help guide people through this inner child journey is that it really comes from the past. Would you agree and think that pretty much all your issues have to do with this inner child or your core past. How would you describe what I'm trying to say? Well, I reference what you're, you're talking about is recycled pain. And this is the wounding that keeps showing up when, when something triggers an old hurt or an old wound. And so that's, that's really the stuff, the unresolved issues that we carry that most people don't even realize they're carrying around. And that's what's plugging into how people impulsively react in their adult life. So people will say, I don't know why I reacted that way when he or she said this or when this happened. And then we'll kind of break it down and begin to tie it back to what, what happened in their childhood. Uh, not everything that, that we're responding to happened in childhood, but many, many things. It's like a template or as you refer in, in your podcast as a blueprint, right? Yeah. It's really putting, laying out all of this developmental uh, process that people get stuck in. And then they begin to feel that their wounding is part of them. They feel that their wounding is like, well, that's who I am. And that's part of what this recycled pain is about because it keeps on showing up. You know, it could be an event that happens in childhood that startles and confuses you. And we, we sort of sit with that. We're like, okay, what was that? But then if it happens again, or if we're told something again, or if we're, you know, in some sort of unfortunate trauma, then that begins to impact our narrative. So I'm so glad you brought up this concept of recycled pain. And this is a part of your book and kind of where you introduce it in the beginning. And the way you laid it out, was so succinct and so well done that I'd like to kind of talk about that today on, on the show. But I can't tell you how many times I've, I have photos of these pages and I just send them to my clients because like, there's no point in me saying it when you've said it so well, you know? Thank you. And um, the reason why I love this part so much is because I'd say a good part of my audience is going through a divorce or they're a breakup of some sort and they're dating the same person <laughs> over right. and over, or right. they've married the same person. And, and I know for me, 
that the hugest work that I did when I was away, and I'm still working on it, is how much I accidentally by default have looked to my husband to be my caretaker Mm -hmm. because I lost a parent at an early age. And then I also didn't really have an available father. And I was so kind of in this process of looking for him as a caretaker, all subconsciously. But at the same time, when he and I were, 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 were going through our stuff, let's just say, just try to keep it generic. I reacted in such a way that it was like this childhood wounded reaction rather than that functional adult. So I'd love for you to kind of maybe you can use my example as as a as a starting point. But yeah, walk us through this recycled pain and the the various steps that go on. So the recycled pain is really when an old wound inside of us gets triggered and then it shows up in our adult life. So for most of us, it is not conscious. It happens just subconsciously where we're going along, something triggers us. It could be sight, sound, smell, touch, situation. And then we impulsively react to that situation. So that's really key, a key part of my, my whole process is really understanding, understanding the impulsive reaction. It's when an emotional part of you feels hurt and in pain, and then that part gets triggered and comes out really big and loud. So later, people will say, I don't know why I responded so big and loud. And that's when we begin to tie it back to this early childhood wounding. So a great way for you to know the difference between, okay, is this the grounded part of me or is this the part of me that's wounded that's showing up is really to look at your reaction to a situation. That's the best way to tell, okay, what part of me is showing up right now? And if it's the the big overreaction part, that is the recycled pain. Yeah, that's the the term that I I've used on the show before that I learned at the Meadows, which was if it's hysterical, it's historical. Right. right. Um, or I have another saying that's saying uh, if the tears come fast, it's from the past. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I kind of made that up because I've never loved the word hysterical, but so often, and this is the coaching now that I do to help people because it's almost as though we have to have a relationship with not only us, but someone else, which is this little girl or the, or the little boy and, and whomever. Right. And I literally say to my clients, I know this is weird, right? but you're going to have to start having conversations with her. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, there, there needs to be a relationship established because that part of us is there is just waiting for that acknowledgement. And that little girl, that little boy inside is going to keep on showing up with these impulsive reactions to try to protect us. So I take people through a list of all these impulsive or wounded reactions, which can also be referenced as, as codependent reactions. So it's, it's where we're overcompensating, where we're, we're going into a victim space, or we're getting loud and big, or we're going into addictions. Uh, we're trying to to shut down parts of ourselves or ignore parts of ourselves. So all of those things are how the wounded inner child is showing up in our adult life. Mm. So I think as we get more and more experienced, and and I think you even mentioned uh, in your bio that you're you're in recovery, and and I say the same thing. I'm in recovery because. It never goes away. We have to manage it. We have to manage. I I say I'm a codependent in recovery. 
Yep, so me ev- too. So every day I'm working on boundary setting, which is really the antidote to our codependent patterns. But I, I'd like to make a distinction, and that is those codependent patterns, I refer to them as skills because we needed them when we were little girls and little boys growing up. We I love that. Right? We, we developed a specific set of skills to help us navigate a very complicated, dysfunctional, emotional environment. So we needed them. But what happens is we just put them in our toolbox and bring them into our adult life and say, oh, okay, I'm going to use these same skills that I used as a child in my adult life. And they don't work. They, they don't work. They just don't yes. work. They worked, quote unquote, worked for us at a time as a child because we didn't probably know any better. We didn't have effective boundaries that we were setting to protect ourselves. Yes. And so when we start to strengthen this relationship with inner child, and we know that for me, I call her she, little Lindsay, she has, she's having this reaction. I can now think, goodness, be aware of it and try to stop it. A lot of the times we'll have this hysterical or this large emotion reaction to a situation. And then we dive right into it. And then we, you know, we go into a tailspin and or I call it, you know, we derail. But I have this wounded child reaction, I'd say it almost happens to me once a day for something. And so, you know, sometimes it's large, sometimes it's small. But just the other day, I caught myself really reacting and I could feel it. And I know where it comes and it's in my chest and I feel unheard. And I, and I, and I could literally feel the tears forming. Right. And then I had to say, okay, I knew it was not functional adult Lindsay. Right. And I, and I said, okay, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. This is not a big deal. You know, and sometimes if it's still lingering, I will literally have to write this weird note to this conversation with her and right? say, what do you need? Yep. What do you need? Exactly. So tell us a little bit about like what, what you do in terms of like moments like that. Well, that's, that's a great example because in your example, you're honoring that part of you that's showing up. You're honoring that little wounded girl who's carrying all of these confused emotions. And you're saying, it's okay, I I have this, we're going to be okay. And the more you do that, the more consistent you are with your boundary setting, when we're consistent with our boundary setting, our inner child is not going to show up to try to protect us. Because our inner child is knowing at a deep level, it's like, okay, I don't have to use all these skills I developed in childhood. This is okay. You know, the responsible adult self has this. so. That really is, your example is great. I teach that as well as far as, you know, being very gentle and loving to that part of us Um, instead of, you know, some people will say, well, I just hate the fact that I have an inner child. (laughs) I'd be (laughs) like, well, I, I, I understand what they're saying, but this is about honoring and loving that part because that part's showing up to protect all of us. I want to just read this part in the recycled pain just to kind of add on to what you just said. When we're having kind of that uh, wounded emotional response, as you say, your responsible adult self transfixed by this wounded illusion, love that, Mm -hmm. is in the background 
watching everything, feeling helpless as the situation unfolds. The five-year-old self is strongly committed to protecting all parts of you and doesn't want the bad thing to happen again. But after the drama unfolds and completes, your wounded five-year-old goes dormant and vigilant again, waiting for the trigger to reappear. Your responsible adult self is dazed and confused. What just happened? And why did I do that? You begin the process of either cleaning up or ignoring what just happened and try to move on, oblivious to the toxic recycled pain that plays out every time this wounded part gets triggered. I just love that so much um, because this is the beginning. And and I've always, as, as a coach and a writer, have always wanted to explore and tackle the word self-love mm-hmm. because it's overused. Mm-hmm. It can be diluted. And I always was like, well, what the hell does that mean? This is the beginning of it, in my opinion. This is the beginning. Yeah, I agree. It, it's a way to really honor that part of ourselves and to really respect, love, and trust ourselves and how hard that part of us worked for so long to, to create a sense of stability and safety within our lives. You know, I look back at, at my inner child and how hard he was working. I was working as a little boy to try to make sense of my sometimes chaotic and dysfunctional household. You know, I knew I was loved. I, I knew I was cherished and loved. I was very fortunate to have beautiful, loving parents. But when they would argue, when they would go into their, essentially their adulting and struggle with life, I didn't understand that. And it scared me a lot. And so my, my wounded little boy was like, okay, well, I think they're arguing about me. So I, the codependent part made it about me, that I was the problem. So I started to say to myself, well, if I become perfect and do everything they say, then they won't argue. So that was my little boy logic at the time of, of becoming perfect. So that, that was my codependent skill. That was my impulsive wounded reaction of, of how to deal with this, what felt like an out of control situation. So as an adult, when I would go into controlling or perfection, I knew that it was the scared part of me that was showing up. So I knew that that was the part that was reacting to something that felt out of control and little Bobby was freaking out. So just, just like you, I had to talk myself through that and calm myself down. So one of the things that I was always really afraid of was that I was bipolar because of the way I was reacting to certain things. And bipolar disorder runs in my family. So I was pretty convinced I was. Well, I took plenty of tests and I'm not, thank God. But it's that bipolar reaction that was, I think we all think we're crazy because it's these high intensity reactions. So we might have these huge highs and um, anger in one moment. Right. And then on the other side, we might have these huge lows of, of, of sadness, but then instantly we can switch and be our functional adult. Yeah. And that masks itself as insanity, but I don't think it is. I think it's just to your point, this wounded child reaction. And I really want everyone to understand that because 
we think we're crazy. And then here we are like having a conversation with our inner child. Oh, now we're schizophrenic on top of that. So. <laughs> I, I know. I know. It, it sounds sort of crazy on this, you know, when you talk about it, when, when I talk about it in the book, you know, and I even referenced, it's like, you don't have dissociative identity disorder. You don't have multiple personalities. This is just a part right. of you, right? This is just a younger part that's wounded, emotionally wounded, and showing up and reacting really big. And like, thank you for reading that part of my book where I write about how the adult self, the responsible adult self is transfixed, watching this drama unfold. And then when the drama's done, when that wounded part's acted out, then the adult part, responsible adult self is like, what the heck just happened? And then the responsible adult self has to clean up a lot of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'd like to also talk about these repeated patterns that we do and why we end up marrying, let's say, an abuser if our parent was an abuser or we marry a narcissist because mom or dad was a narcissist. And logically, it doesn't ever make sense. And I know growing up, I was like, couldn't wait to get out of my house because my dad's, you know, a bit of a narcissist. Um, which I've talked about in, in other shows. Um, I couldn't wait to get out of my house. And then, of course, we say, I will never be in that kind of home again. Right. And then sure enough, five years, 10 years later, we are. Yeah. Or I will never date another narcissist again. Yeah. I know the signs. I understand them. I, you know, and then a few years later, here we are stuck in another relationship with one. And then there's this frustration that I I often hear of just what's wrong with me you know and why do I keep doing this and and then what happens is that person can't trust herself anymore based on the choices because she's like no matter what I do I keep making the same mistakes and I think there's two two things there one is part of it and I don't know if you agree with this but it's like the subconscious thing of this need to rewrite the story to Mm -hmm. heal from our past. Mm -hmm. But talk a little bit about your opinion of this repeated patterns and why we do it. That's a great question. So for many of us, and and I talk about in the book, in each chapter, I have a story that a patient of mine agreed me that I could share anonymously. And uh, the stories illustrate how in our childhoods, there's a template that's developed for um, us going into these dysfunctional relationships in in our adult life. So in many cases, we're really set up to enter into an abusive uh, relationship uh, in a narcissistically abusive relationship in a, you know, uh, in a emotionally unavailable relationship because we've received all of this early childhood training that prepares us for, to go into these adult relationships. So we don't, we don't know this is happening as a child, as a teenager. We're just going along, living our life, doing our best. And then we become attracted to that part of us that we're trying to heal. So what I say is that hurt people find hurt people. So there, there's a part of us that is trying to heal, let's say, our, our wounded relationship with our dad, our wounded relationship with our mom. And so we subconsciously attract a partner into our life to play out that drama. 
we're trying to heal it. We're trying to make ourselves whole and complete. And so what happens is people will get into these relationships and at first it might feel okay. What I call, I call them synergistic wounded relationships where their wounding is, is synergistically connected to the other person. But as time goes on, it becomes really dysfunctional and toxic. Most people get out of that relationship. And then if they haven't done any healing work, then they just go right into another relationship that looks and feels very similar to the one they just left because they haven't done their healing work. They have, they've just carried their baggage into their next relationship and they're playing it out again subconsciously. And do you think since, let's go with that statement, hurt people, marry hurt people or like hurt people or attracted to, right. do we, let's just say in, in my situation, let's just, there's me, if I'm in a relationship and I'm hurt yeah. and I've attracted a hurt person, yeah. is it likely that I am helping him heal himself through his mother issues, let's say? It, well, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's why I refer to it as uh, synergistically wounded, because your hurts are aligning with his hurts. So you're kind of plugging into each other in that way and saying, okay, I, I kind of get you at some level. I get you at a deep subconscious level. I understand your wounding, and I know exactly how to respond to you. I know how to be quiet when you're loud. I know how to do this caretaking, fixing, rescuing for you. I know how to plug into all of your wounding and you seem to know how to plug into mine. You seem to know, let's say if, if I'm in an abusive relationship, well, then, then you know how to treat me. So I go into my victim space. Mm -hmm. So all of this plays out, all of this wounding plays out. People don't realize it. And, and then they come to see me and they'll say, I'm miserable. And we'll talk about their life situation, and then we'll talk about their early childhood wounding. And what I go through in the book is really laying out on a, in a timeline, you know, what happened from birth to around age 20. And in many cases, you can see how that person was really aligned with all these different sorts of wounding experiences in their childhood that prepared them for these wounded adult experiences as well. Yeah, that's exactly what I do as well Is that's one of the very first things that I do with a client is this timeline. And um, I, I've done it. And it's this amazing exercise where you there's just a there's something so special about it where you really see patterns yep. written down. I mean, even though it's up in your head, when you see it written down, it's, it's pretty amazing. I wanted to share something that happened to me just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, while visiting my parents in uh, Florida, I was visiting, that's where they live. And one of the biggest wounds I've had is my father just kind of ignoring me. Um, mm -hmm. And again, he's a good person and a, and a loving guy, but it's just, he's not capable of, of giving the kind of love I needed as a kid and probably even today. Right. So my first night there, I hadn't been, I hadn't seen them in months and months and months. First night there, we had dinner and on the way home in the car, I was sharing something that bothered me and it was personal and, and I started to get a little teary eyed. And we walked into, got into the garage, walked into the house and I immediately went outside because it's just, it was a beautiful evening. Yep. He saw me go outside 
And then he was following me and I thought he was going to join me and we could kind of just wrap up this conversation. And, you know, truthfully, I needed the Lindsay, everything's going to be okay. uh, Daddy thing. And he didn't follow me outside. He stopped, sat on the couch and watched football. And I felt so wounded in that moment. And occurred to me because I've done my timeline work. Had I not done my timeline work, I remembered football was a way of feeling ignored. And it was the longest time I didn't understand why I hated it. And I like football now, but for the longest time I hated football. Right, right. Just the sound of it on TV brought up pain. I now know why because of my timeline work. And as I was watching him um, play or watch football – I actually recorded him from the outside and he didn't know that I was doing this. I just recorded him on, on my video camera on my phone just so I can just observe the situation. And I did that to heal myself so that I could watch him doing the thing that used to just kill me. And I got to say, I still felt sad, but then I allowed to process it and I just said, this is your wounded child. And so as, and I said, what does a functional adult do? So you know what I did? I went back in the room and I said, Hey dad, I wasn't finished talking to you um, about X, Y, Z. I'm wondering if you could turn the TV off and we can finish. And he said, Oh, I had no idea. Okay. I thought we were done. I mean, he's a typical guy, right? He has no idea. I would have never done that a year ago, I would have been so angry and had a temper tantrum and probably been mad at him all week. That was absolutely beautiful, Lindsay. That's a great example of your responsible adult self showing up and saying, I've got this. And you went in and you set a boundary with that. You said, hey, I I need to, to talk, finish up some stuff here. And thankfully, dad was receptive to that. So this is how you're healing all parts of you. So you're, it's, it's not like you have to explain this to dad. This is what you're doing, your process that you're doing internally, and, and you're letting all parts of you know, I can take care of myself. And the examples that you're bringing up are beautiful because they aren't these, these big, dramatic sorts of examples. They're, they're small, but, but they're how the wounded inner child gets triggered and shows up. And so when we can, address these issues. What I, what I say is when you can address them in real time, just like you did with your dad, when you, we can address them in real time and find that courage within to say, hey, you know, I'm going to save this and put that out there. That's healing right in the moment. That, mm. That's magic right there. That's the healing moment. And that's what, when, when we do those, those uh, examples of boundary setting, we get stronger and stronger with each one. And, and the next one we do comes easier. Yeah. And I also want to just share a scenario that what if he didn't respond, just so everyone can, if that, if that story resonates, right? So if he didn't respond and said, you know, Lindsay, I'd really like to watch this game. We have to be prepared to not then go into child mode again, right? Or you never listen to me or you always do this to me, right? It's still... I could set a boundary and I can make a request, but it doesn't mean that other person is going to um, say yes. And, and it's following through that functional adult, keeping her checked in and said, the next thing would be, 
okay, when would you be available, right? Yeah. That's functional adult Lindsay. Mm -hmm. But I tell you, I used to, and I think a lot of us can, I don't care how old you are, but if you're around your parents, yep. <laughs> there's just this teenager in us that um, we can get really pissy. And, um, and, and I think you had said somewhere in there about parenting yourself yeah you know that's that's a big thing that i've learned is okay mom and dad aren't there anymore you don't need mom and dad you're right. 40 something years old or 30 it doesn't matter how old you are you're an adult right you don't need to have a parent parent you through your sadness you can parent yourself we, through your we, sadness. yeah you're right we can bring that that functional adult within ourselves into into our conversation with ourselves, and 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 you're right to say that that not every parent or partner is going to respond beautifully to our boundary setting. And I'll have people come up and say, they'll say, well, I, I set a boundary with him or her, but uh, it didn't work. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? And they'll say, well, they just disrespected me. They went back to all their old ways. And, and what I say is that this is not dependent upon them responding in a certain way. You know the boundary that you're setting. Stay clear with that. And the, the, first, the first rule with boundary setting is we first say it for ourselves and secondly for the other person to hear. So you're, you're putting that out there for yourself first. Hey, Dad, I right. want to talk with you some more. So that's how you're honoring yourself. And secondly, Dad heard like, oh, okay, Lindsay wants to talk now. And so it's like, well, that's great. That's great that your dad responded. That was a beautiful healing moment. But a lot of people just go back into their old ways. No, I don't have time. No, I don't want to talk to you. And that's where afterwards we have to be gentle and loving with ourselves and say, it's okay. Dad, dad's in dad's stuff. He's in his wounded stuff. But I know the difference. So it's about observing ourselves, not condemning ourselves, or not even not condemning dad or the other person. It's just saying, they're in their process, and that's okay for them. But but I'm moving beyond this. Yep, absolutely. And I do think that, to your point, you know, my father. I I kind of wondered that could have been just too much for him in the moment. He could have just zoned out to football. That's what he does. And you know, to just to remind everyone, it's like nothing anyone does to you is about you, period, dot end. I mean, it just, right. even though we'll take it personally and, you know, our ego will step in and... Um, they project it onto us. They project their stuff onto us. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I just kind of gave an example of a tool that I, I used in that moment, like I was recording and, and I had to kind of self-soothe and then say, what would my functional adult, how would she respond and that helped me kind of just separate out of that, the uh, trauma reaction or the... Yeah, the, the wounded reaction, the impulsive reaction that you would have had. Can you think of any other tools that the listeners can, can use in these moments? I mean, obviously, I really, really recommend to anyone who is struggling with anything in their lives to do this work, right? So whether it's with me um, or someone like Robert... Who, who understands this, this, this core type of work that we need to do. But in the meantime, before they go out and do that deep work, what are some of the things that people can do in that moment where, okay, they've recognized that uh, they're having a, a, a reaction that, yeah. that from the past, what can they do in that moment? Well, what, what I recommend, it's very simple to do, 
And that is, I call them healing letters. And these are letters that you're, you're writing specifically to someone, but you're not going to give them or mail them or tell them about it. But you're like, if you don't mind, we can use your example again. If that didn't work, work out well, you could go back in a quiet moment and write a dear dad letter. Dear dad, you know, I was, I tried to find a lot of courage to speak up to you, but, but you didn't respond very well. And this is what I'm feeling. So those healing letters are, are really shifting the energy that we're carrying from that moment inside of us. So instead of just letting that spin inside of us, let's say the hurt, the wounded part, just spinning in the rejection or the emotional unavailability or whatever is getting triggered, sit down, get out a piece of paper. I prefer people write pen to paper or whatever, where they're writing out longhand, this is what I'm feeling, and just let it go. Because that process really transforms that energy. So you're no longer carrying it inside of you, you're getting it outside of you, and then you can reread it. And you're like, yes, that's exactly how I feel. You know, I, I had a situation a couple of years ago where I was feeling a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, and I sat down and I wrote one of these healing letters, Fast and Furious, and I was writing out all these feelings, hurt, angry, confused, blah, blah, blah. And then I wrote the word bewildered. And immediately, that feeling word encapsulated how I felt about that whole situation. And it was like, it was like putting a key in a lock. It was just something mm. where it fit. And then, then I felt better inside because I was acknowledging the pain I was carrying. So that, that's probably the healing letters are really, and then, and then after you write the healing letter, you just tear it up, burn it ceremoniously if you want to. And, and if you still are feeling this recycled pain, if it's still recycling inside of you, then sit down again, write another healing letter. So it's one example. You know, I take the reader through a whole process of, of introspection throughout the whole book. And we talked about the timeline earlier, and I have them reference an emotional response scale where they're going back to their timeline and rating the intensity of what happened to them, uh, just to help them get, it, get an idea of, okay, yeah, that was a really big event. And then I take them through the letter writing where their, their uh, younger wounded self writes to the adult self and the adult self writes back, forming that connection, forming that relationship. And then I take them through a process, finally, of, of boundary setting, which is probably the most important part of the whole process that I teach. So chapters four and chapter six are all about boundary setting. And then I have a lot of examples in my workbook, the companion workbook, that really helps people understand boundary setting, the need for it, because that's really the part when we set strong boundaries, the, the wounded inner child doesn't have to work so hard to protect us. And then the final uh, part is the integration, is really pulling together all of our work where that wounded inner child is integrating with the adult self. And, and so I still, in my example, I still have, yeah, I know, I know the triggers for my 10-year-old little boy inside, but he's no longer getting activated. I've, I've integrated mm. him into my, my mature um, adult self. So he's no longer kind of lost in the snow globe of, you know, frozen emotions where he, he just is reactive and impulsively kind of lashing out. 
it's like he doesn't need to do that anymore because I'm setting boundaries and protecting all of us. Yeah, that healing letter um, I've done so many times and I've done it. I've written countless letters to my father um, and each one is different. It's deeper. It goes deeper. There's less anger. Then there's also just writing you know, allowing your inner child to write in her non-dominant hand of a letter mm-hmm. to, to, you know, you could do it that way. Yep. Um, and then oftentimes, um, and I, if I'm in this kind of, I'm busy and I'm in this crisis and I'm, I'm mad. I mean, sometimes I'll just write that letter and just say, okay, how old am I in this letter? Yeah. That, that helps me. Yeah. Right. Am yep. I 15? Am I eight? Am I six? You know, how old am I? <laughs> right. And, uh, and then I'll, I'll ask her, what do you need? Yes. What do you need right now? Yes. That's beautiful. That's a very healing thing for me. It's like, what do you need? And just kind of wait for the answer. Well, and sometimes I almost feel her like with her arms crossed, nothing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I love how you're acknowledging her, and I love the relationship you develop with with that younger part of you, and and how it's an easy back and forth, because that's going to help your healing work. That will help all of our healing work when when we can have that connection when you're recognizing in real time when she's showing up, mm-hmm. and and like you said, um, so I had a gentleman I was working with who. Um, he would react really big and want to act out with um, drugs and he would start driving to his dealer's house. And I stopped him and I said, okay, about how old do you feel when you're acting out in that way? He's like, Oh, like when I was a 21 year old kid, this is what I would do at 21. I'm like, okay, well there we have it. So, so right. So that's, that was his wounded inner child showing up. He got triggered in some way, wanted to act out with drugs. And, and so once we bring that into the consciousness of ourselves, we can no longer uh, react subconsciously mm-hmm. because we know too much now. Because mm-hmm. we're saying, oh, okay, that's my 15-year-old. She's showing up again. Or that's my 10-year-old. He's showing up again. So once we have that clue, it's a big clue for us. I also want to just uh, kind of before we wrap up is give another example that I was just thinking of while you were speaking was – this inner child could show up on the opposite effect of anger and she could really take us down this path of overindulgence. Oh yeah. And and that happens to me too. So I might want to shop too much yep. or, um, or I, I have a deadline and I don't want to do it. Like I don't want to sit at my desk. And so this happened actually just the other day where I did have this deadline It was Monday night. I get invited to a friend's house via text and I so badly wanted to go, right? Mm -hmm. And rather than impulsively reacting to that, I had to kind of sit and say, okay, if you go, when are you committing to sitting down? I mean, this is like, this is how, this is, I'm trying to say this as transparently as possible because this is what we have to do. Like yep. we sound nuts, right? right. <laughs> and if you go, um, I will let you go, but you're going to handle it responsibly and it's you're not going to overindulge and you're going to allow yourself a couple hours at so-and-so's house and then you're going to come back. Right. So this over, this our inner child can also play too much. We can overindulge. We can drink too much. We can... Uh, go shopping too much and we have to bring her and reel her in that way right that's right we we have to really 
look, observe ourselves and say, okay, what's going on right now? Because I don't feel that this is a grounded response to the situation. You know, I want to act out with shopping or drinking or partying or whatever. It's like, okay, you know, is that just that, that part of me, that wounded part of me that wants to rebel and um, sort of even the score? Is that the part of me that is trying to, to be heard, to be seen, to be told, you're not going to tell me what to do sort of thing? <laughs> so, yeah. so it's just being gentle with ourselves. And I love how you coached yourself through that experience in a very loving, kind way. That's, that gentleness is what we need to have with ourselves. This is not about beating up on ourselves and saying bad or I'm ashamed or whatever. It's like, it's just holding that emotion. And that's what really what I teach in the book is just being very gentle with ourselves as we work through this pain from the past, because that's going to lead us to an expansion of ourselves into a bigger field. So what I say is that this work isn't about changing ourselves, but expanding ourselves. And I really think it's the holy grail of emotional freedom. Yeah. And and that's as succinctly as I could say it. It's um, it it really when you start to have a relationship with her, and uh, her meaning inner yeah. child, her right. or him, um, you no longer will be looking to others to heal her. That's yeah. huge. You're right, and you and you're no longer <laughs> going to be um, acting out just unconsciously in that way you're going to be saying, okay, I see this is a part of a wounded part of me that's showing up. So, yeah. you know, for your listeners, um, you know, uh, working with you as a coach, uh, working with someone like myself as a psychotherapist or reading my book, healing your lost inner child helps people understand how to work through, how to connect to this wounded part and how to really help that part heal that is is completely possible it's doable it takes a little work it, it's going to take a little while to kind of get get into this thinking uh but once you have it it becomes very natural and spontaneous you mentioned a workbook i did not know there was one um i'll have to order that is that on amazon as well that's on amazon as well so healing your lost inner child book and then the companion workbook so a lot of times they'll show up together as far as uh, People who bought the book also bought the companion workbook. Yeah, I probably wasn't paying attention. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the workbook is great because I'm definitely going to get it. Part one tracks all the exercises that are in each chapter of the book. It just gives you a place to write down your answers. And I've included some bonus material in there. And then part two is all new material, not in the book, really focusing on our codependent reactions, on boundary setting. I have a lot, a lot of examples in, in part two. Uh, to kind of expand this work, uh, to take people deeper into their own work. Well, Robert, thank you so much for writing this book. And, and I'm sure it took a lot of work and passion. And it's, it's so important. And, and I want to thank you for writing the book and coming on the show today and spending your evening or morning with me. I guess it's still morning. Um, so you're morning with me here. And um, how could people find you outside of Amazon? They can look for me on my website, The Art. The Art of Practical Wisdom. Um, they can find me also on Facebook under the same name and then uh, uh, with my website. But I want to say something before, before we end. And I want to give you a great compliment. Aww. And I listened, I listened to 
your your podcast that you have your your most personal podcast ever. I think I think you phrase it that way. Right. If your listeners haven't listened to that, I really encourage them to do so because it, that was such a beautiful uh, process of vulnerability. How you were really showing, you know, demonstrating to your listeners how to go within and how to have you found the courage to be vulnerable and then to share that story was really phenomenal because that's what we're talking about with this work Lindsay is for each of us to find the courage to be vulnerable to and for ourselves to do this very hard work but there's a huge reward if we do this work if we face these things that that we've carried for years and years just like you're seeing and I know you referenced that you had a breakdown this year and, and then you went to the meadows, but it was really, I believe, a breakthrough. Yeah. Oh, thank you for saying that. Right? You were breaking yeah. through a lot of stuff, a lot of old stuff that just wasn't working for you anymore. And you found the courage to do that. So good for you. Thank you for being a way shower. Yeah. Oh, thank you for saying that. And um and and yeah, I really uh, I stress that as much as possible to everyone of that vulnerability. Yes, it's scary. I'm still not comfortable with it. But at the same time, um, it's it's that breakthrough that that we have from <laughs> the breakdown, I guess. <laughs> and, um, and I also think too, is that the the vulnerability and the sharing aspect of it is part of that inner child work, she needs to be heard. Yes. And I think yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Because the adult or the dysfunctional adult child, the adult child in us will shame it, shame, 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 and will be so disgusted with ourselves, which is where I was, right? right? Um, and, And the more we shame, it's almost as though we're having an argument, this massive discord between our inner child who really needs to be heard and seen. So that, that I, I just, I think shame brings us to our knees and it can, and it's the most toxic, cancerous emotion we could have. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I really just encourage everyone to just work through any shame that you have. And, and, and you could do so by, by reading Robert's book. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay. It was just wonderful talking with you today. Likewise. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this episode and uh, check out the show notes as well. And I think we're going to put this one on YouTube because this is one of my favorite episodes. All right, everyone. Till next time.